Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Patricia Carl about attracting, retaining, and supporting employees in the modern world of work. Patricia Carl, welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me again. It's a pleasure to be with you. It's been a hot minute since we last chatted. Uh, I think it was probably late summer, early fall of 2020. So we were in the throes of the pandemic. We had a really nice conversation then. And in in the interim, we've both been super busy, um, but I was so pleased when you reached out to me and uh, expressed interest in coming back on the show. Today, we're going to be talking about attracting, retaining, and supporting employees in the modern world of work. And we all know that things have shifted quite a bit over the last couple of years. We've all been wrestling with virtual and hybrid work arrangements, distributed teams, how to go about uh, you know, attracting and retaining people when people's preferences are changing, their priorities are changing. And there's a pretty stark divide in some cases between what employers want versus what employees want. And within that tension, you know, we have to try to figure things out the best we can. So that's the context for the conversation today. As we get started, I wanted to share Patricia's bio with everybody. Patricia Carl is the CEO of Highland Performance Solutions, a boutique woman-owned organizational consulting firm. Her firm provides inventive solutions that solve a broad range of long-term strategic workforce challenges across the talent lifecycle and close specific gaps to address immediate business needs. With more than 20 years of organizational and talent leadership roles in leading public and private companies, Patty understands that the speed of business needs a strategic partner to build strong and evolving cultures and systems in which organizations can thrive. As mental health became a focus area for employees and employers during the pandemic, she realized that she has something special to offer when you combine her experience as a practicing therapist and passion for leadership development. She believes employees must feel valued and inspired to do their best work. I completely agree with that. Patty, it's a real pleasure to have you. Anything else you would like to share with me or my audience by way of your background or personal context before we dive on into the conversation further? Uh, just that that our, we have a, a team of consultants that do um, work across the, the employee life cycle. You gave a beautiful intro of the company, but but to boil it down, um, we help organizations with all things people and culture. 
That's wonderful. And it, it's wonderful when we are surrounded with such a great team as you are, you can go in and do amazing work with organizations. All right. As we get started, let's frame up really a, a bit of a recap of where we've come these last couple years since early 2020. Uh, we we experienced lockdown. So many organizations immediately had to shift almost on a dime. They had to turn and shift towards virtual work, or at least a proportion of their workforce had to to shift to virtual uh, or or uh, distributed team models. Uh, but in the interim, you know things have opened back up a little bit. People have gotten vaccinated. We have more health safety despite the pandemic uh, and the COVID uh, uh, COVID nineteen remaining. You know an ever present. Um, thing within society. Uh, yet people have longed for getting back to work in many cases. Many employers certainly have wanted to get their teams back into the physical office space where others have really leaned into this virtual or distributed model or some sort of hybrid variant. Uh, tell us a little bit more about your perspective over these last couple of years, how things have evolved in your own consultancy and the work you do with your clients and what some of the major pain points have been that you've seen in relation to attracting, retaining, and supporting employees during this challenging few-year period. Yeah, it, it it has been. It's very different now than the first time we we spoke in 2020. I think organizations have been through a lot of change. And I, I think there was this perspective at the time that we'll we'll get through whatever we're get we have to get through right now and then we'll go back to normal right whatever whatever normal was um and i think we all know that's not the case right the somewhere along the way the the employee employer contract shifted and the talent market changed dramatically i've never seen in my 25 years in HR, I've never seen a talent market quite like this. It seems like it's starting to normalize a, a bit, um, but it's been a really tough market for organizations to find and retain uh, the talent that they need in order to achieve their objectives. Um, it's still a buyer's market today. Uh, I think that um, organizations are still struggling a bit. Um, and because of that, of, of those struggles, I think, you know, employees are able to make some of the rules in ways that that they certainly haven't been able to in the last, you know, decade or two. Yeah, I, it really is, you know, a, a tight labor market. Of course, we already were experiencing skills gaps in many industries and in many types of work pre-pandemic. But with the great resignation and, and the great reevaluation and, and really people voting with their feet to either go to different types of organizations, switch careers, switch jobs, or lean into the virtual work model or even the gig economy and just like changing their priorities altogether and doing something totally different. Like all of that's been happening over the last couple of years, uh, which ultimately has resulted in a tight labor market. It's even harder than ever uh, for organizations to get highly skilled people, particularly in STEM fields, in healthcare, in some of these types of areas. And so as we're wrestling with that and trying to get great people and not only get them, but keep them, hang on to them so they don't jump ship and go to the next offer, you know, for better pay or more flexibility or whatever, uh, you know, that's just been an ongoing huge challenge. And we we can't forget the power that organ that uh, employees have in the labor market has in general right now. So 
with all the things we're going to be talking about today, regardless of what employers want, regardless, you know, if I'm the CEO or I'm an executive or I'm a manager and I want my team to do X, Y, or Z, that only goes so far because there's a lot of, of power and voice within um, the labor market right now. And I, I have a choice. I either try to force my vision of how work should function and, and how it should be designed onto my people and the people I'm trying to attract and retain, or I can listen to them and try to accommodate as much as possible, as much as reasonable and be as flexible as possible uh, to, to help it attract and retain good people. Yeah. And I think um, the, the interesting part of, of all of this is that there's there's been a lot of focus on how the pandemic changed people's perspectives. And I do believe that's true. I also believe that there were some macro trends already in flight uh, pre-pandemic. I think there were some generational differences in the way that work is work is viewed um, and how that how they sort of configure their lives uh, to, to make work fit um, instead of vice versa, uh, maybe like some previous generations did, um, including mine. I'm a Gen Xer and I think there's um, there's there's a different relationship with work or has been yeah. than uh, than what millennials and certainly Gen Z as they as they enter the workforce are, are expecting. And so Can I, I just think double that- click. Can I just double click on that really quick? Because I think that's a super, super important point. Now, we don't want to overgeneralize. Obviously, within generations, there are, you know, everyone's individual. Everyone has their individual perspectives, their values, their priorities, whatever, right? Acknowledging that, with that caveat said, we do see some general generational trends. And and you're absolutely right. Uh, With millennial and Gen Z, generally speaking, uh, they want their work to work for them and to fit in with their life, not the other way around. And that's just the reality. Like we just have to face the fact that they're not going to try to shove their life into a small box uh, for work. They're just not, that's not their priorities. That's not what they desire again, generally speaking. So again, if we can just acknowledge that, then we can move forward with strategies on how we're going to uh, work with people that have that perspective. Right. Absolutely. And I think the, I think it's kind of a polarizing um, topic in some ways because uh, we hear, we hear terms like quiet quitting and we hear great resignation and we hear all of these things. And I think um, we hear people don't, don't want to work like they did anymore. I also think there's a lot to, to be learned from these new perspectives about work, um, where we're, you know, there's more of an emphasis on uh, holistic wellness. Um, There's a lot of discussion about mental wellness in the workplace and, and setting, you know, appropriate boundaries and, uh, and attending to the other aspects of one's life. And, um, and you said it earlier, I think the more that, that leaders and and employers can understand that and and embrace that uh, the more that they can attract retain engage the talent that they need but it takes work it takes it takes maybe more work uh, or different work um, on the part of leaders and organizations than we've done in the past 
Um, and there's, you know, certainly lessons to be learned and muscles to be built uh, in order to to meet yeah. those demands. But I think it's a, I think it's a good trend. I think it's a positive trend um, that will benefit not only um, workers but also organizations. Yeah, I completely agree. I do agree that it's it's a different type of leadership. It's a different type of work. It's not necessarily more work. And in fact, I, I truly believe that if we put in the effort as leaders, as managers, if we put in the effort up front to develop relationships of mutual accountability and trust and, and address the holistic wellness of our teams, all these things that you were just talking about, that takes a little bit more effort up front. But it takes less less effort in the long term, I believe, because you create more self-sufficient, self-renewing, self-sustaining types of team work uh, environments and cultures uh, where people, you know, they need support and they need development and they need all those sorts of things. But you're going to not be spending so much time running around like a chicken with your head cut off trying to put out fires. Rather, you're going to spend that energy developing your people. You're going to spend that energy being strategic. You're going to spend that energy being more innovative and creative, which will help, I think, in in how you're expending how you're spending your time and expending your energy in the long run. So I do, I do believe in the short term, it might take a little bit more effort, but in the long run, yeah, I think you're going to be way better off the modern world of work and the knowledge economy. It just demands a different set of leadership competencies and capabilities than what was the dominant model in previous generations. And that's just something, again, we have to be able to wrestle with Uh, you, you, you were mentioning a, a few minutes ago before I cut you off. So rudely, you were mentioning some of the meta trends and I agree. So pre-pandemic, you know, there was stuff happening. It's not like all of a sudden everything flipped on a dime. Uh, many organizations were forced to to shift very quickly. But generally speaking, in the aggregate, there were already these meta trends going. Uh, were there others that you wanted to specifically highlight um, before I cut you off? Uh, no, I, th- I think that certainly the, the the generational, and you're right, we don't want to overgeneralize, but I do think we had a new generation entering the workforce about that time. Uh, so that was certainly a trend. I think the the other thing that we had started to see, um, and certainly it was accelerated and, and really exacerbated, uh, was women opting out of the workforce or opting to uh, scale back their career. And at a time when it's really important to um, to foster that diversity um, at all levels of the organization. Um, so that was certainly another one. The, the third one was DEI. I think as we had um, Black Lives Matter and all of the different, um, the different protesting and all of that that went on, I think it really made organizations take notice of how they could be different and how they could be more inclusive and how they could be more intentional about it. And that workers demanded it. It's what they wanted to see. And it it was what it was going to take in order to have the leadership diverse, the, the diversity in your leadership, the the inclusivity in your organization and the ability to be successful and compete um, in, in a global market. And so all of those things, that's a, that's a confluence of a lot of things that happened, 
um, during the pandemic that were potentially in flight, but really came to uh, a head during the pandemic. And organizations really had to shift gears and respond to all of those things at once include and also overlay that with and we also have to move to you know remote hybrid distributed yeah. uh workforces and and so it was a lot it was it was very interesting to watch just from um an outsider's point of view to see how the organizations responded to it and who you know who did it really well and others and watching others too that struggled and had to learn some lessons along the way and maybe are still um yep. you know working working their way toward uh the right answer yeah and and you mentioned you know that summer of 2020 was rough if we reflect back i mean it wasn't just the pandemic and all the the physical health concerns but it social upheaval <laughs> during that yeah, time the george sure. floyd moment um was in full flight at that time mm-hmm. and 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 frankly because people were isolated and in their homes and you know so many people weren't having the normal social interactions with each other we all had time to consume probably unhealthy amounts of media <laughs> uh, at that time. And, really? and it, so people were paying attention, like people were really yeah. paying attention to the George Floyd incident and how horrific that was and, and all of the ramifications of that, right. Which led to the protests and all the other things. So it was economic upheaval. It was social upheaval. It was health upheaval in, in the shifting nature of work all happening all at the same time uh in that over that summer into the fall and, and etc man it was a really rough time and we can't overstate i don't think <laughs> the the impact that that had on leaders and their people uh, in their teams and and why that influenced things like you know the great reevaluation uh or or like you you referred to a minute ago quiet quitting that is now something organizations are really wrestling with now I, I I think back to you know something you were saying a few minutes ago. I'm I'm like the Zennial generation, so I'm like that little in between Gen X and Millennial, um, yeah. born in the late '70s '79, and so I I, I really kind of resonate with both groups quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And but I I think about the frustrations I've had with models of work and leadership my entire career, and in many of those ways I I resonate quite more with millennials. Uh, and, and when I hear things, you know, like you, you said, it's polarizing. You're absolutely right. There are people with very, very strong opinions about things like the great resignation or quiet quitting and such. Um, when I think about it though, and, and someone says, Oh, you're, you're entitled, you, you young people are entitled. You just want to, um, you're not willing to put in the work that previous generations were or whatever. And they, they list us off all these things. I mean, to an extent that's true, I suppose, in the aggregate, but every generation has different shifting priorities. And in many ways, I think, certainly I'm biased, but certainly for me, I love how things have been shifting in recent years. Things that I have wished would be shifting faster my entire career since the early 2000s, when I was, you know, my first jobs in the late 90s, early 2000s you know, things that I was so frustrated with. I'm so happy that many of the things that I've been frustrated with for decades are now changing more rapidly. Uh, does that make me entitled? Perhaps, maybe. Uh, does that make young people entitled? Perhaps. And I understand where that's that's where a lot of the polarization comes in. But ultimately, I think it's just good leadership. I think it's just good organizational and work design. 
Uh, I think we're just learning how to be more flexible and agile and innovative, all of which I think overall are positive things. So I'm really happy to see these shifts. Yeah, and I think, you know, they, as they say, right, there's only growth through challenge, right? And so I think there's, it's just been a time of tremendous growth for, um, for organizations and, and hopefully for leaders to be able to do things in a different way. The thing that I was, I was really encouraged to see that I, it, like you, there, there are things I've been frustrated with um, during my HR career. And one of those was flexibility, you know, as a, as a working mother, um, there wasn't a lot of flexibility um, that was built into, um, you know, the work that I was doing, especially as I continued to ascend into leadership roles, it, it, it got less flexible. And so I always tried to bring that flexibility to my team. And if I, you know, if I was able to advocate for um, working from home or flex work, uh, I always did, but it was, it was typically a, a, a battle, right. Within organizations um, where the organizations would say things like, well, those, those jobs can't be done from those jobs can't be done remotely. And until they were right. And then, and then they were, everyone sort of proved out, you know, the, the hypothesis that those jobs could be done remotely. And so now it's sort of placed, um, some organizations on their heels a bit because uh, asking folks to come back when it's been working really well um, for a couple of years now. There's been a, you know, it's been just one great big case study. Um, I think there's, you know, there's work to be done with organizations on um, at least if, if not, if not embracing uh, remote work entirely, that there is a happy medium and that the flexibility that, uh, that folks are demanding uh, and asking for um, will ultimately benefit them in terms of the talent they're, they're able to secure and retain. Um, yeah. And frankly, the, I just think there's a, you inspire people um, to be loyal to you when you give them, you know, when you sort of in kind give them, uh, you know, your trust and your confidence that they can work remotely and that you see them as a professional and you're you're willing to allow them the flexibility to attend to the things in their lives that are important. I think you get that back in spades from from your team members. I completely agree. I've done actually quite a bit of research on this point in terms of work flexibility for the last decade and a half. Uh, and certainly during the pandemic, we've seen shifts in, in preferences. Uh, but people have desired flexibility for a long time. And you highlighted, for example, working mothers. That's one subset, right, of people that have really benefited from more flexible work arrangements. And the question is, do the old models, re- you know, are we required to maintain those old models? Uh, and I think the pandemic has demonstrated 
people might have been forced kicking and screaming to move into more flexibility in virtual work and such. But it's demonstrated, it's proven, it's this experiment has shown that there are many jobs that we thought never could be done remotely that are perfectly fine to be done remotely. Uh, and in many cases have have increased levels of productivity uh, and innovation among people performing those jobs. And when we look at, say, working mothers, for example, or working fathers or, you know, any any um, family dynamic where you need some flexibility, uh, it's it's a huge, huge benefit. So from a DEI perspective, Let's think about the, the huge benefits that have come from flexibility and virtual or hybrid work arrangements from distributed teams. I can choose good talent from anywhere in the world as long as you know we can have some alignment in terms of uh, time zones and, and some synchronous meetings when they need to happen. But otherwise, I can have anyone from anywhere in the world work for my organization, which means I'm not limited to a geographic location uh, and and I can I can have the best talent from all backgrounds, cultures, socioeconomic status, gender, religion, uh, race, ethnicity, whatever, whatever the category, we can have it. The, the sky's the limit in our organization. And we don't have those former restrictions if we can lean in to these sorts of more flexible models. And that's one of the things I'm actually most nervous about as, as there's this push towards getting more people back into the workforce. How is that going to disproportionately negatively impact potentially um, uh, people from more disadvantaged populations or marginalized populations? How is it going to net, you know, uh, disadvantage, say, working mothers or others that just need that kind of flexibility? Uh, I, I think there's a lot more research that needs to be done in that area, but, but I think at least the early signs are that, uh, for example, women disproportionately take on more home work in terms of childcare, elder care, housework, those sorts of things. Uh, and, and so, yeah, flexibility matters. It matters for that population. Let's make sure if we're requiring people to come back in person, let's make sure that that actually matters. And it's not just my personal preference as a leader. It's not just an Elon Musk mandate that everyone needs to come in to the office or you're gone. And maybe for, for Tesla, that is something that's necessary. I have my doubts, but you know, I, I think it's more just a personal preference. And, and when we lean into personal preference rather than what's actually required for the work that needs to be done, I think we just limit ourselves unnecessarily so. Yeah, and 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 also uh, personal preference isn't very representative, right? Um, so what might work for the leader of a company may not at all work for um, rank and file employees or even even their their leaders uh, in the organization. And I do I do think there will be a natural selection, right? Talent talent will, to your point, vote with their feet. Um, and I think it will be difficult. And we've we've already seen some organizations reverse their stances um, on coming back into the office when they started to see attrition. And so, you know, while it remains a buyer's market from a talent perspective, I think um, folks are going to continue to make the choice for flexible work um, and the organizations that are offering it uh, will continue to win out. Yeah, I think so too. Well, Patricia, this has just been a real pleasure. The time has flown by. We could go on and on. I think we could have a conversation about this for the entire day, but you're busy. I need to let you go. So before we wrap up <laughs> this really fun conversation, I wanted to give you a chance to share with my audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. 
Yes, certainly. Um, so LinkedIn profile is a very easy way to find me, Patricia Carl, uh, C-A-R-L, um, but also highlandperformancesolutions.com is our uh, firm website, and it gives you an overview of um, of all of the, the good work that the team does and, um, and how we can partner with organizations to make them successful. Um, last word on the topic, I would say... Um, you know, I would I would quote Brian Crop, who is um, a partner at Gartner. He said that the leaders of the future are going to be more like social workers um, because they're going to have to really focus on meeting uh, all of the needs holistically um, of of the folks who work for them. And I, having having been a master of social work graduate, I wholeheartedly agree with that, and I, I think that. Um, the leaders who are able to figure out uh, how to do that well are going to be the ones who who keep their people um, and are able to to drive results. Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Patty and her team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Make their Christmas unforgettable with goat guns. Looking for the perfect gift for your husband or man who is a gun lover? Look no further. Goat guns are the greatest gift of all time miniature gun models. They are the perfect blend of quality and detail. From pistols to rifles, there's a goat gun for every collector, history buff, or gamer. Whether for display or for a fun collecting hobby, goat guns will bring joy and excitement to him. Surprise your loved ones this Christmas with a goat gun, the ultimate gift that won't disappoint. Shop at GoatGuns.com. Monetizing digital services since 2004. Boosting the entertainment industry by making digital content accessible for everyone. AWG. Where innovation meets monetization.